And now, from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting to Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, throughout the nine worlds and beyond, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin. You are tuned to the immortal sounds of... Radio Free Asgard. And hello everybody and welcome to Radio Free Asgard. This is episode number 269. We're coming at you as always from beautiful Chicago, Illinois. We're a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. So uh, yeah, welcome along to the show. So a couple of uh, Thor-related movie items this week. So yeah, so those of you who have been uh, you know, paying attention noticed that yesterday as I speak, the uh, Thor teaser trailer, the first one, has come out. And we get a little glimpse of, you know, a bunch of stuff that's going on. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to spoil it here. You know, if you haven't seen the teaser trailer, I'm not going to spoil it for you. Go onto YouTube or go onto the Marvel side or wherever. Uh, you will see it. I mean, it's all over Facebook. It's all over everywhere. So uh, it's even on our Facebook group. So if you go to the Radio Free Asgard Facebook group, uh, you can find it there as well. You'll find a link to it anyway. Um, so what did y'all think? I'm, I'm curious as to what people's impressions are of that, uh, of the, the teaser trailer, and, and whether that raises concerns about the quality of the movie or if they're just really super excited about it. And you can do so by emailing us. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think about it. And uh, of course, I'll let everybody know what you think about it on the next episode, as it were. And uh, anyway, so uh, the other piece of movie news for this week, and it's not really news per se, it's just that uh, Pete and I actually went to go see Logan this past weekend. Um, now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that it's one of the better Fox X-Men related films. It's not as good as some of them. It's better than a lot of them. But it's definitely the best of the Wolverine solo films by far. Now, that being granted that it was a pretty low bar that it would have to overcome. I mean, you know, the, the first you know, the first Wolverine movie was, was pretty much basically shit. And the second one was only a little bit better. So, you know, this third one, uh, you know, there's a lot of fun moments to it. I'm not going to spoil anything. It's still in the theaters. There may still be people who haven't seen it. So, um, again, you know, if you have any particular thoughts on Logan that you'd like to share with us, just feel free to email us once again at radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. We always do love hearing from you. All right. So we do have an issue of Hercules Unbound to cover. So let's go ahead and move along with our review. Hercules, hero of song and story, Hercules, winner of ancient glory, fighting for the right, fighting with his might, with the strength of ten ordinary men, Hercules, people are safe when near him, Hercules, only the evil fear him, softness in his eyes, iron in his thighs, virtue in his heart, fire in every part of the mighty. Hercules. 
Indeed, and this week we're looking at Hercules Unbound number two. Cover price is 25 cents. Cover date, December, January of 1975-1976. Cover art is by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Uh, and it looks to me that um, it looks like it may have been inked by Wally Wood. I'm not absolutely sure about that, but it's a it's a uh, attractive cover here and shows Hercules and he's in his uh, same getup as he had last time and he is being attacked by several two-headed dogs and they are bright red. This image incidentally was used as a, a DC house ad during this era uh, advertising the book um, and uh, the owners of the dog or the owner of the dog is here in the background holding a couple of them back. And is a big uh, African-looking gentleman here with a leopard loincloth and a sort of like a hawkman-looking harness on. And um, the cover blurb says, The Man-God versus the Hounds of Hell. So we open up to the splash page. So I was going to skip that hostess Twinkies ad. And we have The Power and the Glory of Hercules Unbound. The title of the story, Unleash the Hounds of Hell. Credits are Jerry Conway on writing, J.L. Garcia Lopez and Wally Wood are the artists, Joe Orlando is the editor. And we open up with uh, Hercules and he's in Paris, and you know how you can tell it's Paris? The same way you can always tell it's Paris. There's an Eiffel Tower in the background, and uh, there's a... uh, (laughs) And there's a cafe in the foreground. So very stereotypically Paris. And there are these green ape-like creatures. And they're jumping down. One of them is bursting right through the awning of the cafe. And uh, it's called the Café de Flore. And yeah, so where did these green things come from? After, you know, like one day of nuclear holocaust or whatever anyway so anyway they're some sort of mutants and they're being attacked uh kevin is here that's the blind kid um and doesn't seem to be having any trouble finding his way around uh his dog is there as well and hercules is shouting out by zeus get back kevin we are attacked paris the city of light once years ago it was a city unlike any other a citadel where the great and the glorious gathered to live and dream their lives of sophisticated splendor once. But that was long ago in another time, another age, another world. Now the Paris of yesteryear no longer exists, if ever it truly did. Now Paris is a nightmare where the sleeping never wake, or if they do, wake only to death and destruction. The man's name is Hercules, the boy's Kevin. What name their attackers go by, no man can say, except possibly mutant, monster, demon. So, yeah, so these uh, green ape-like creatures are attacking Hercules and stomping him. Uh, they seem to be mostly ignoring the, the, the boy at the moment, uh, but, but they, they do start to go after him. And uh, Hercules is shouting, Take care, lad. These demons were sent by the god of war. No doubt to kill us if they can. And um, Kevin is being grabbed around the, uh, the legs by one of these things, and uh, the dog is attacking one of them, too. And Kevin says, Thanks for the news flash, Herc, but even a blind boy could guess that much. And he's whipping around his sling because, you know, there's, there's just big old cobble rocks just laying around on the ground in Paris. And 
<laughs> whaps one of them with, in the head with a thwack, or a twack, actually. And uh, he gets uh, free from, from the uh, green ape thing. And if he's blind like me, he can do more than guess. He can act. Um, so, very weird. Um, anyway, and he, and he says, uh, this sling of mine sure comes in handy now and then. Right, Herc? Herc? And he turns around, and Hercules is kicking one of these ape monster things right in the uh, groin. Ouch. And, uh, and he's, uh, Kevin's like, Hercules, are you all right? Where? I'm here, boy, and in a moment I'll be fine. Just now there's the small matter of this demon, but I assure you, lad, it won't be a matter much longer. And Hercules kind of throws the demon by his neck, um, grabs him by the ankle, swings him around, uh, and is smashing him against the uh, the building, because there's a, some sort of building here. And the demon's going, Scrap! <laughs> the, uh, the caption says, Once this demon was a human, but that was before the atomic holocaust of World War III. Because, you know, World War III is basically yesterday. <laughs> so, <laughs> lots of time for mutants to, uh, to come up. No, Hercules did say that Ares created them, so, you know, I don't know. Anyway, things have changed, people have changed, life has changed, and whatever it was once, it is no more. And uh, Hercules whips the green ape thing into a street sign that says uh, Rue de la Baie, I think that's how you pronounce that, and smashes over a uh, light pole, and there's a sign that says cinema, so anyway, there's cinema nearby. And Hercules smashes him with a light pole and then takes a uh, concrete block, like maybe it's a brick block covered with, uh, you know, plaster or something, and smashes the uh, ape's head with it, which is kind of a brutal thing to do in a 1975 DC comic. Anyway, and Hercules says, ha, that's one demon that won't waylay another honest man. If Ares was behind this assault, he picked a rather motley lot of monsters to do his dirty work. What say you, Kevin? Were you harmed? And Kevin's like, me? Are you kidding? I'm the kid who survived an atomic attack. I, and uh, a voice comes from above, and it turns out to be an old man, and he's wearing this sort of tattered suit jacket and a trilby hat, and there's um, a couple of other people standing with him as a young man and another young woman, and the young woman is wearing a very short skirt, and I have a feeling Wally would add something to do with that. And uh, this um, old man, he, he's a British. Uh, and you can tell he's British by the way he talks. I say, you roughed up those lads rather well. Would you care to join us for a spot of tea? Yes, you know he's British. Must be rather hot down there, eh, what? Do come up. We won't uh, bite you. And <laughs> Hercules is like, strange man. I trust him not, Kevin, nor should you. He sounds okay, Hercules. Kind of British, but but he's people. And if you can't trust people, then who can you trust? Hello, are you coming then? Kevin is, says, Kevin's answer is a nod and a laugh, and he goes running off with the dog because, you know, he's racing up a stairway, uh, being blind, and yeah, I, I, I don't know about this. <laughs> Anyway, I mean, and I know blind people are good at finding their way around and doing things and, and can live independently and all of that. But, but this kid seems to be able to throw slings very, very accurately based on nothing. Um, he's running upstairs without even using a handrail. 
<laughs> I don't know. Is he really blind? I don't know. Anyway, so um, Hercules uh, follows him, but he's not um, he's not anxious to get up there and have a spot of tea with these uh, people living in the ruins. And it says here he follows, but his eyes are wary and hard. And then we have a, a Tournament of Thrills ad from Kenner featuring Daredevil Dan, which oh, maybe we'll come back to and maybe we won't. So the uh, two of them and the dog arrive up in this, uh, it's like a landing, I guess. And this is British guy and these two other people. Good to see you, son. My name's Dave, Dave Rigg. And so he's uh, clearly an American. He's wearing a sort of orange leisure suit sort of thing. And um, the British guy's like, I'm Simon St. Charles, and this is Jennifer Monroe. It's been ages since we've seen another normal human. Just ages. And the, the girl's like, what Mr. St. Charles means is, it's been months. And uh, Kevin says, I understand, miss. Me and Basil, we'd gone weeks before meeting someone real, until we found Hercules chained on that weird island. I don't know which of us was lonelier, me or Basil. Hercules? Yeah, you know, the god. Oh. Well, thunder happening there in the background. Hope you're enjoying that. And Hercules says, You live here alone, mortal, among these monsters? And the uh, American's like, It's not so bad, really. You figure if you live through a war, you can live through anything. Perhaps, David Rigg, says Hercules. Perhaps. And Hercules is, is sort of thinking, There's something wrong here, something disturbing. These people feel no pain, no emotion, no knowledge of their loss. Hercules can only wonder how much of this is due to the war and how much is merely the emptiness of their human souls. We have a weird panel here. Uh, it's a transition panel. It's not abundantly clear, but we have a, uh, a figure and it's watching Hercules through a, a scrying fire. So it's like cosmic voyeuroscope, except it's a fire, like campfire. And a, a purple, or purple sleeved person with long pointy fingernails is pointing down and saying, "There, my lord." And it turns out to be a, um, you know, kind of an, an old haggy woman. According to your wish, it has been done. I have conjured an image of your enemy, the god named Hercules, as you can see. And there he's like, "He lives. He lives." Aye, my lord, he is immortal, even as you are immortal, Ares, god of war. And Ares is like, prattling old fool, I've had enough of your charlatan's magic. Well, if she was able to summon up the uh, image in the fire, she's not a charlatan. Anyway, I hate to break it to you, Ares. Anyway, Ares backhands the old lady, knocks her down, maybe kills her, can't really tell, but she's laying there on her back and doesn't look like she's having too much fun. And Ares is like, the demons you created are slain, and Hercules remains unharmed. The time has come for a more direct attack. Cerebus and his hounds of hell. And so um, we get a little bit of uh, exposition here, and we see images of, of the world aflame and cities on fire and A-bombs exploding in London and Moscow, and I think that's supposed to be New York and Paris. And uh, Ares is, is narrating over this. Soon now Hercules will die, and with his death I will have conquered this land completely. Only Hercules stands between mankind and total conflagration, between reason and insanity, between peace and war, 
So why did you let him go? Anyway, <laughs> at the hour of his death, my triumph will be total, and the war which has already swept this world will crisp it to a blackened cinder. And uh, this flunky type comes up as, Master! Eh? Who disturbs me? Master, Lord Cerebus, he's here. And uh, Cerebus turns out to be this African-looking guy that we saw on the cover. And uh, he's wearing the sort of Hawkman harness, like you said before. And he's got a Brother Voodoo belt, uh, the sort of diamond kind of pattern on it. He's wearing a leopard skin loincloth, like we saw on the cover. And he's wearing Thor's boots. At least they, they look like Thor's boots in this panel. And he's got two double-headed dogs. They kind of look like Dobermans, but they have two heads. Except they're not red like they are on the cover. They're actually blue. And uh, Cerebus says, Who summons Cerebus? If it be other than Ares himself, let him beg mercy while he still can. <laughs> and Ares uh, says, Restrain your hound, Cerebus. It is indeed I, your master. Tell me, Nubian, are your dogs still vicious as they were when I first gave them to your care? No, don't answer. A test will be far more instructive. And Ares picks up the uh, the flunky who told him that Cerebus was here. And um, <laughs> he holds him over the, uh, the two uh, vicious dogs. He says, You have intruded on my thoughts once too often, Minos. Now you must be punished for your lack of caution. And he throws uh, this uh, guy to the dogs. And the two dogs are uh, tearing him apart. So, again, very brutal for a 1970s DC comic. A failing which has proven fatal. Yes, yes, excellent. You've trained them well, Cerebus. Quite well, indeed. Serving you is my only pleasure, Lord Ares. Your attitude is without flaw, Nubian. Soon all mankind will share your devotion after the death of the man-god Hercules. Listen closely, Cerebus, and learn my plan. And we then shift scenes to back where Hercules and Kevin are, and they're on apparently the Ile de France because they are um, Notre Dame Cathedral in the background. And it says, uh, morning, some ten hours later, on the shore of the River Seine. And uh, Hercules is talking to the, uh, the, the woman with the very tight shirt and the very short skirt. Woman, you confuse me. In my time I've known queens and goddesses, sinners and saints. Yet of all the females I've ever met, you are the most astounding. Oh, I have a little trouble believing that. Me? Come on, man. You can't be serious. I'm just a misplaced fashion model, not a Wonder Woman. You belittle yourself, Jennifer. Think. Both Simon and David were confounded when they learned my identity. My reality. But you. You accepted what you heard and believed it to be true. That's easy, friend. You look like a god. And even if you're not, you're close enough so it doesn't matter. Besides, what difference does it make what I believe? The whole world's gone crazy, and maybe I've gone crazy too. Funny, there was a time when I was so sure about life, about the way things worked, about what you had to do to become a success. I was so certain. And then, then the world went away in a bright red sunburst. And she's thinking about the, uh, the nuclear explosion. And nothing is certain anymore. Perhaps it's time we returned, Jennifer Monroe. The others will be, and he's interrupted by some sort of a sound. At first faint, it says, and then thundering, and there's some sort of gurring coming from behind, and 
And then Hercules says, Zeus! And Jennifer's like, Hercules? What? The hounds! And they're being attacked by these two-headed dogs, you know, except they're blue, like, you know, unlike the cover. The hounds of hell! Oh my god, I don't believe this! Hercules pushes Jennifer through the fence up into the river, basically. Um, he's like, he's like, Jennifer, get back. <laughs> These demons are deadly, the deadliest creatures known. Lord Ares sent them to kill me, no doubt. But if he did, he did so in vain. And Hercules is punching one of the dogs in the snout. Poor puppy. And uh, meanwhile, Jennifer is falling backwards uh, through the fence and into the sun, and giving us pretty much an upskirt shot. They, they actually managed to avoid the upskirt, but yeah, I'm sure that uh, Wally would probably drew it in. She, she's falling, and she's like, Hercules, Hercules, help, save me! And she does get saved, but it's not by Hercules, it's by Cerebus. And he picks her up by her ankle and by her hair, which, ow, don't be afraid, woman. Can't you see you've been saved? And he slings her over his shoulder and is carrying her off. And Hercules is still fighting the two dogs. And he's like, Jennifer. And Jennifer's shouting, Keep your hands off me, creep. Let me go. And um, Hercules is flinging the dogs around. And he flings one of them to the river with a sproosh. And he kind of smushes the head of the other one with a cromp. Again, very brutal for a, a 1970s um, DC comic. And uh, he defeats them, and he goes running off to save Jennifer. Pluto takes me for a fool. I've been tricked. While those two-headed monsters distracted me, Jennifer was stolen from my side. What purpose there is in this theft, I do not yet know. So Hercules rips up, a, it looks like a, a, a cable car wire. I guess it's like a pulley. Some kind of pulley for something or other. And he rips it up out of the ground. And he lifts it up over his head. And he throws it at uh, Cerebus. And hits him in the back of the legs with a thrum. And um, obviously that makes uh, Cerebus fall forward. He has this very uh, pained look on his face. And Hercules is shouting, But by all that men hold holy, I will yet find out. And yeah, then he knocks him down. And Cerebus turns around. He's like, so, the conflict comes earlier than I had expected. Very well, son of Zeus. Let this be our first battle between man-god and immortal man. Let the legends tell it was Cerebus who triumphed. And he hits the ground, a very kind of, not really incredible Hulk-like, but he just like gives it a punch right straight down into the ground, shatters the ground, uh, you know, very much like the Hulk or Thor or somebody like that. And it says, for one petrified instant, a living earthquake throbs through the shattered earth. Waves of force reach out like surf churning across a sandy beach, catching the off-balance Hercules and tossing him like an infant throwing an unwanted toy, burying him under tons of collapsing rubble. Where the rubble's coming from, I'm not quite sure because it looked like he wasn't near anything. But anyway, um, we see the boxer falling down on Hercules. One of them clonks him in the head and says, Samson could not have destroyed the temple any more completely or with greater, more crushing finality. So Hercules looks like he's knocked out and Cerebus is back to picking up uh, Jennifer and carrying her away. And he says, I'll not kill you this time, Olympian. So sleep well, 
and when you wake, seek me out. I promise you, I'll not be hard to find. And we shift scenes, and says some time later, and Hercules is waking up, and Kevin is there, and Basil, and the American dude, and uh, the old British guy, and Kevin's like, Hercules, hey, Herc, are you all right? You've had Basil and me worried sick, old buddy. We forget him. What about Jenny? Where's Jenny? I believe young David has a point. Miss Monroe is with you, Mr. Uh, Hercules, and quite obviously she's not with you now. I'm going to give you ten seconds to spill it, Bron boy, says Dave. And then I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, and Hercules just gives him a look, and that just shuts him up. And Hercules pushes him aside, says, Quiet, little man. Jennifer Monroe has been abducted, and I am indeed ready to accept responsibility. However, rather than shout, I intend to act. You may come with me if you wish, though the mission may prove dangerous. We're with you, Hercules, Natch, says Kevin. Good. And you, Simon St. Charles? Ah, oh, dangerous, you say? Well, I. it isn't as though that is... Perhaps, uh, perhaps. And we shift scenes again elsewhere, as it says, and it looks like they're at the Louvre. Actually, a pretty good um, uh, you know, impression of, of the damaged Louvre. So it's actually recognizable as the Louvre. And uh, Jennifer says, uh, The Louvre? I don't understand. Why bring me here? Why bring me anywhere at all? I have my reasons, female. Motives which are not for you to comprehend. But these dogs, that weird outfit. I get it. You're crazy, right? Insane. And um, the therapist is like, insane? Insane? And she gives, like, backhands Jennifer. And uh, they're standing, of course, right next to the Venus de Milo, which, you know, that's, of course, that's where you're going to plop her down, right? And if I am, who made me mad? Who drove me to the brink of darkness and betrayed me to the god of hell? One of your kind, female, a woman, a beautiful woman, almost as lovely as this statue. And he's, it's got the, you know, the Venus de Milo here. Her name was Adora. And we see uh, an image of a beautiful girl's head, and she's wearing sort of a statue of Liberty Crown and... and it's like he's seeing the statue as her, kind of kind of overlaying the statue. And uh, he says, And if I could, I would punish her for her betrayal. Punish her! And he takes his hands and he smashes the head of the Venus de Milo between them with a crack and destroys a priceless uh, piece of ancient art. You see, we were to be wed, Adora and I, yet she favored another. In my tribe, such marriages were made by the parents. But Adora would not obey tradition, and she sought to rid herself of me through a pact with the Lord of Hell. She, the hounds, they sense danger. And so he still has a couple hounds left after Hercules, I guess, took care of the other two. And so they're going, grr, grr, barking, whatever. He's come. Hercules has come. And we see Hercules, and he's running into the Louvre, the courtyard, and right behind him, running through, looking very dangerous, uneven ground with lots of rubble and big boulders kind of laying around is Kevin. Uh, and he's just following behind the, uh, the dog. And um, Kevin is going, hey, Herc, wait for me. Hey. And 
Hercules doesn't. Instead, he makes a giant hole in the ground for his blind friend to, to fall into. And he picks up a giant paving slab or something like that. And he's getting ready to pitch it, looks like, at the dogs. It says the Olympian's only answer is a silent grin, a smile more menacing than a snarl. Your dog is a fine tracker, Kevin, says Hercules. He's brought us to the monster's lair quickly and well. Yet as a fighter, he's far too brave for his health. Those hounds will kill him, unless... And, uh, yeah, it looks like Basil's attacking the, the hellhounds. So Hercules takes up this big slab, and he throws it at the, uh, the hellhound, and he squashes one of them with a tromp. But uh, Basil is, you know, agile enough to get out of the way, because of course he is. And... Kevin is standing there saying, from the sound of it, Herc, Basil's troubles are in the past. And so uh, he's whipping around his um, his sling that, that Kevin has, and he throws a perfect shot and smashes a the moving two-headed dog right in its one of its heads. Actually, right in both of its heads from the look of it. And uh, he says, still, it wouldn't hurt to be absolutely certain if there's a fight somewhere, that half-wit husky will find it, assuming I don't find it first. And he, you know, clonks them in the head, and the the uh, demon dog goes, "Yay!" Hercules says, "Well thrown, Kevin. You managed that sling almost as though you could see." Is that some sort of dig, Hercules? The term is strange to me, mortal. How do you mean, dig? I mean, every once in a while, I get the feeling you're suspicious of me, like you don't really believe I'm blind. Like, somehow I'm faking it. Well, I'm certainly suspicious. You must admit, Kevin, it is passing strange the way you move about. The way you... Hercules, wait! Don't go through that door! Don't! And at that point, Kevin leaps forward and tackles Hercules. And it doesn't knock him down, but almost knocks him down. And uh, Hercules turns around and shouts at him, Are you mad boy attacking me? Not attacking, Olympian. Saving your life. Sometimes I see things you can't see until it's too late. For example, look. And he points at the doorway, which he shouldn't even know is there. And Hercules sees this giant fire, big old pit. And says here, the air seems to shimmer before Hercules' eyes. And he sees what he could not see before. And the sight fills him with mingled horror and disgust. For what he sees is hell, shouts Hercules, by the stars. Cerebus has returned to the pit, and if we are to find him and free the girl, then there must we also, and may Zeus preserve us both. Next issue, within the pit below, and that is Hercules Unbound number two. And, of course, we're going to have a few things to say about this, as well as a, uh, a really quick look at the, the ads in this issue right after this message. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with 
and be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we're back. And of course, before we uh, do kind of do our review of the issue, just a kind of a quick look uh, at the ads. And uh, we actually mentioned this SSP Racer ad earlier. And the uh, SSP Racer that was stood for Supersonic Power. And uh, as I recall, this was a car and it had a flywheel inside it. And the way that you would make the flywheel spin was you had this uh, this barbed stick, and it was called the T-Stick. And and you would you would kind of put it in, then you would rip it out, and it would make the uh, car uh, go really fast, and uh, make a like a screeching noise because uh, there's some sort of uh, thing in there. And uh, this was the uh, kind of a gimmicky version of that same toy because they put a, a Daredevil Dan character with a little hook on it. It's obviously kind of a ripoff of Evil Knievel. Anyway, uh, so we have the uh, yeah ad for the SSP racers. A lot of the ads in this issue are pretty much the same as the ads that we saw in the, uh, the previous one. We have the uh, teaching yourself music ad. We've got the uh, uh, you know, various comic books for sale. This is you know back in the days when buying back issues was actually kind of hard to do. Uh, we got uh, DC House ad for the Super Friends and Dick Tracy tabloids. We've got a Tarzan discovers the land of prehistoric animals. Back back during this time, um, actually DC had the uh, rights to um, to Tarzan, and this ad was actually drawn by Joe Kubert. Uh, so it actually the art's pretty good. Uh, it's funny though how dinosaurs have changed, uh, you know, because they have the like they have a Tyrannosaurus Rex here who doesn't look anything like Tyrannosaurus Rex that you would see in any kind of media now. Um, for one thing, it's still the tail dragon type dinosaur. You know, it's kind of very upright and not not counterbalanced the way a dinosaur would be. Uh, we've got uh, the sailback reptile, flying reptile, and they have a you know, saber toothed tiger and Allosaurus, who's basically similar to the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex except green. And uh, this is an ad for pom poms which is the delicious milk caramels with the chocolate-flavored coating. And, yeah, so I have never heard of pom-poms. I never saw them in my local store, so I have no idea really what they were. Uh, and then, of course, you have your authentic Superman costume for only six ninety-eight. Oh, it's the Free Muscles of Steel Pocket Gym when you buy this authentic Superman costume. And I will tell you that this costume looks anything but authentic, <laughs> even from the illustration. Secret Spy Camera, only $2.25. Secret Book Safe, only $1.69. With a combination lock, only you can open. Or you can actually just take that book and just kind of bang it on a table and it'll open because those things are made of cardboard and really, really cheap. And uh, then we have the uh, superhero stick-ups. Let's say we had that last issue. Of course, Charles Atlas, the insult that made a man out of Mac ad, the classic Charles Atlas ad. And, of course, the... um, house ads and that kind of thing and the abracadabra magic shop which we talked about last time and the uh, last one this is a new one this month is the heroes in action it was uh this kind of army men set and they had a a limited range of motion but they they had like springs 
in them that you could like you press press a lever and it would make like their arms or legs move and they're, they're they were very very cheap um i've seen occasionally seen these in uh like uh, used toy stores you know the kind of collectible stores they, they were made by mattel and they're made of like this really cheap plastic and you don't really see a lot of them around because they probably didn't last very long but um, yeah, but you could get the anti-tank team, the machine gun crew, the mortar squad, or the uh, machine gunner, and that was pretty much it. There were 17 different action men, so yeah. Anyway, so that was that. And of course, on the back cover, we have the This Could Be Your Head, uh, the uh, shrunken head apple sculpture kit from Milton Bradley, and uh, Vincent Price is, is you know, shilling this toy. So they had his uh, name and his picture on the box. And yeah, so you too can make uh, quote-unquote shrunken heads out of uh, apples. Uh, so yeah, so why not? <laughs> All right, so on to the story. Once again, it's kind of a silly story, but it, at least it's not as silly as last time. It's hard to get used to 70s fashions again you know because uh, that's not something you really saw in comics but like like the woman in the really really short skirt we've got this um this kid kevin basically is running around almost naked uh this is like really short shorts and and a uh, sleeveless t-shirt um i mean and that is how people dressed in the 70s but it's weird to see realistically dressed people in a comic and that's one of the things that stands out about about garcia lopez's art uh and and wally woods finishes is that the, the people actually do look somewhat realistic now this is supposed to take place in the future and people aren't necessarily supposed to be dressed like they were in the 70s but anyway um the uh the story once again it, it's very by the numbers it's uh you know the cerebus not to be confused with the aardvark and his uh two-headed his two-headed demon dogs um of course not to be confused with cerberus who was the guardian of hell who was a three-headed dog i guess cerberus is probably the I don't know, the father or something of these other dogs. I don't know. But uh, the the one thing I kind of pointed it out during the story, but it's one of these points that really makes no sense in the plot, and that is that uh, in the first issue, Hercules did say you know, the, the only reason why he could have broken free was if Ares had actually freed him. And now Ares is actually going around like, like Hercules must be destroyed. He's going to stop my plans. And, and my question is, why did you set him free then? So, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big question. So unless they answer that, then uh, I don't know. Anyway, so not quite as many questionable things going on in this issue as in the first one. Again, I, I kind of agree that Kevin gets around a little bit too well for a, for a blind person. But we'll see if if running at a full sprint through a field of boulders, you know, chasing chasing a dog and you know, is something that, that an actual blind person would be able to do, um, or if he's being helped magically, or if he has some kind of hokey seventies ESP power, you know. It, I guess we'll find out a little bit more as we go along. Now, there's something interesting in here that I'm not sure if if people caught it. I caught it the first time around, but I thought it was rather odd, and that is Hercules' reference to Samson. 
Now, unless I'm mistaken, and I'm absolutely sure that I'm not, Samson is Middle Eastern mythology. It has nothing to do with the Greek mythology, so how would Hercules know about them? You know, unless Samson was real in this world, I don't know. But it is a little strange that we have a, uh, you know, a reference to the Bible thrown in here amongst the uh, these Greek gods that are running around. Just thought I'd point it out. All right. So that's about it for this week. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And uh, you can get in touch with us, like I said. Just email us at RadioFreeAsgard at gmail.com or join us over on Facebook. Just look for Radio Free Asgard over there and you will find us. And with that, I am back over the Rainbow Bridge. Well, you know, such as it is. Back to Midgard and we'll see you next time here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.